and welcome to Good Show, the podcast helping you answer one of the most daunting questions in television. What am I watching next? I'm Anthony Mako. And I'm Brandon Sharp. Uh, Somehow I've been designated the throwback czar, and so on this episode we're taking it back to a turn-of-the-century period piece. To be fair, it wasn't a throwback at the time, it just is now. And the century we turned was the 21st, not the 20th. But the throwback is warranted because we're talking about what many people believe is one of the best TV shows of all time, The Wire. The Wire is a crime drama that started in 2002. It's somewhat difficult to sum up, but in many ways it simply follows the narcotics trade in Baltimore in the early 2000s. But the narcotics trade in Baltimore was such a large business that it touched every aspect of Baltimore politics and economy. So the show rightfully pans between police officers, politicians, kingpins, teachers, and your run-of-the-mill urban family. The show was developed by David Simon, with the heavy involvement of his friend Ed Burns. Now, this show is fiction, but its creation is quite unusual because of the history of its creators. You see, Simon was a former Baltimore crime reporter, and Ed Burns was a former homicide detective in Baltimore. So, they made up the characters, but in many ways, they're telling a very true story. It was a part of HBO's original programming, Heyday, and can still be found there. Brandon, let's talk about The Wire. I am ready. I've been watching nothing but The Wire all week. That's kind of fun, yeah. I didn't make it as far as I wanted to, but I, I had obviously- Well, seen, you made it pretty far, though. I'd obviously seen all these before, but yeah. I, yeah, this past week I made it all the way through two. Yeah, so this for show for me, I watch it on a regular enough basis that I didn't need to cram it mm-hmm. before this episode. I don't know how many times I've seen it, but I, yeah, I mean, like everything you were bringing up to me, I remember very, very vividly. Uh-huh. So, okay. But this is an interesting, so just to follow our, our pattern here, it's an interesting one to bring up because do you remember when you first ran across the wire? Yeah. So it was when it was like the time you were living in Dayton still, and uh-huh. um, we were around each other more. And that was honestly the, that that was that time when I was getting these recommendations from you and a couple of our other friends. Sure. Like you need to be, have you seen this? And I was yes. just not an HBO person back then. I just wasn't, yeah, right. I didn't have access to it. I was still fairly young. I feel like I, I don't know th- this type of this really like heavy, raw, gritty shows graphic. They, they just didn't appeal to me back then. I was a, I was a network television guy. I was watching, right. I was watching 24 and prison break and whatever. So these type of shows weren't on my radar. I think I was probably bootlegging stuff pretty heavily back then. So I think yeah. that's how I actually watched it. Sure. And, me too, probably. Yeah. Um, I think I still wasn't quite ready for a show like this. Mm. So I remember thinking this is good and I finished it, but I got to tell you, watching it this time and i haven't watched it since so that was 15 years ago or something oh wow okay 2000 maybe 12 years ago no for like 14 years ago yeah so i will say this time around i'm really able to recognize how iconic and great it is so i'm super excited to talk about it now What's, yeah, what's really interesting about that is probably worth bringing up. Like, if you have no idea what in the world we're talking about with The Wire, like, it is a rough show. It's just the yep. roughest you can get. But this is one of those shows that it pays to be rough for for me, I think. It has, one of the episodes has the record for F-words in a, 
in an episode and mm-hmm. the record for F words within like a five minute span, something like that. But also just like everything about it is as rough as it can be. Um, but like I try and usually say, like it earns every bit of how rough it's it is. Like not you, gratuitous. It earns yes. every inch of that extra stuff that it does. The places that it goes, it let, it absolutely earns it. And there's no way the show could be authentic with the subject matter. There's no way it could be authentic with, uh, by it, yeah. pulling your punches, whatever. So, uh, it's definitely rough. Yeah. I, uh, was sort of introduced to HBO in its heyday of original programming, which, you know, I'm not doing a history of HBO right here, but early two thousands is sort of when it took off and had several shows at the same time. Now, I believe the first scripted show was actually Oz, Oz which is yeah. also, have you seen that? Yeah. 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 I've it's, never watched Oz. Oh, it's very rough as well, yeah. but it's, yeah. Um, it, th- and that was about five years, I think before, um, this maybe 96 okay. or so, which is more than five, just to be clear with my <laughs> math there. But, um, but I think 96 popped in my head, but then shortly after this, this was running around the same time, several really good shows came out. And, um, this was back when pretty much everyone knew like, Oh, HBO is, this was when HBO was a night. You st- this is when it started becoming Sunday night, watch HBO. Mm -hmm. And this is where you found your premium television was on HBO around this time. They had several shows going at the same time. And The Wire was one of them. Now, I did not watch. First of all, I never grew up having HBO. And like you said, I didn't I didn't have HBO. I don't know. I don't know when I had it, but it was after The Wire. So yeah. um, I I watched it probably the same way you did. But I just I, I had a friend tell me I had to watch it. And we particularly resonate with some of the characters on the show. Just kind of like uh, have a lot of things that we love about it. And so we kind of pass that back and forth. And he and I sort of quote this as much as not as much. That's ridiculous. But uh, uh, like you and I quote. The, the West, West Wing. Wing, right? So there's a lot of that, but I, I, as soon as I picked it up, and I'm going to get into this a little bit later. This show really had a lot to do. I actually specifically, you know, in the like West Wing episode, I talked about how the uh, how West Wing. I wouldn't say it like completely changed my worldview. It certainly did, though. And I would also say like The Wire had a lot to do with changing my worldview. Mm-hmm. And we'll, I think we can talk about why in a little bit, but it's, it has a, it has a pretty profound effect on you. If you're not watching it in a sensational, it can probably be sensational because it's HBO, but it's not like not to put it down, but game of Thrones is not teaching larger, less life lessons. I don't think as much. And, um, well, yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. But the wire does like, mm-hmm. there's just so much worldview stuff to think through so much philosophical stuff to think through at the same time. So, well, we got a lot of meat out of the very first question. Hopefully this hour is this episode isn't three hours long. <laughs> now, what's interesting about our next normal question, what kind of show is this? It might be kind of easy to classify, but I we I think we definitely have to lean into it was one of the first of its kind of this sort of thing. Like it really broke some ground here. So, you know, is it is it easy to classify as the you know, an early premium drama or what? No, I I, I don't think it's cut and dry. Because okay. it's not, it doesn't have like a polished look mm-hmm. and it's, and it's not just because it's dated. Cause it is, it is a little dated. It is dated. Yeah. But also I would say, even if we were rewatching it back then, I would say there is just a like stripped down look to it yep. that doesn't just doesn't give it a premium feel. I wouldn't say it's like a, a network drama or anything, but like it, yep. it does have a well crafted feel, but they, whatever they did, they made it feel raw and gritty. Well, and probably like you say, it's a mixture of things, but it's worth noting. I think this entire thing took place before any sort of HD. So yeah. like when you look on, when you look back on it now, it definitely looks weird, but I also agree with you. I wonder, do you feel like maybe they were sort of going through, go, going for 
it's not a mockumentary is not what mm-hmm. I'm saying, but almost like a documentary look. Like yeah, you, like a little like a little shaky cam is yes. something I notice. And yeah. yeah, I would say that there is almost like an like cops, but yes, like yeah, a yeah, scripted yeah. cops or something. Yeah. Like a weld, I don't know. Yeah, somewhere in that range is what we're talking about right now, I think. Yeah, I do feel like it probably was it has in the Venn diagram of crime shows, it has some similarities to other shows. It's just rougher. Yeah. That's not a you know not quite a word, but it's got some law and order mm-hmm. vibes. It's just way better than law and order, you know, stuff like that. It's oh, got cr- it's got crossover. Let's be let's be clear. This is the crime drama. This oh, is the, for sure. Yeah. This is the crime drama. The only thing is, it's not well, like you like we always say, it's not procedural, which is law and order. So I right, um, yeah. I wouldn't even necessarily call law and order a, a crime drama, but I do think there's some things that look similar about it and the feel of it. And also the crossing over. One thing this show does particularly well is the crossing over between like almost like branches of the government and like mm-hmm. different things like that. Like how um, that reminds me of something like law and order, but basically like, Oh, we'll pass this off to the prosecutor now, or, you know, you know, mm-hmm. the defense, you know, yeah. all that sort yes. of thing. So yeah. Is there anything else about, I, th- I think we're in this interesting position of probably a lot of people coming up, didn't have cable. And so they may have skipped the wire for whatever reason. We mm-hmm. missed this heyday. Is there anything else about like what this show is I think something that The Wire represents is the early days of television becoming like an art form. And this is even a precursor to, no, no, no. This is about the same time, like The Sopranos, you know. It's same exact time, almost. So there you go. So like, I feel like some of those just higher forms of television were happening in the early 2000s. Yeah, I mean, and you think about the, the, this and Sopranos was on the same time. Like, what a juggernaut. Wow. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, HBO was crushing it back then. Yeah. yeah, insane. But, I mean, I like this way more than The Sopranos. Sorry to just throw it out there, but like, I, if you- I don't personally, but yeah, hmm. I, I can absolutely see the validity there. And, and most people probably agree with you. Most people probably agree with you. No, I mean, you like that gobble ghoul. We're going to, I mean, we're, we're going to maybe talk a little rankings later, right? So I think this would, that'd be great for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. You know, Gabagool is just a mispronunciation. Capicola ham. Yeah. I do know that. Yes. Weird. I didn't find that out till like this year. I thought that was so funny. Really? I think in one of the Soprano scenes, you see Capicola written on like the white butcher paper, but they're just like Gabagool. You know, what's funny about this? Do you, I didn't, I didn't even know why I brought this up and I just figured out why, why I brought this up. The office. Nope. One one of the funniest videos. It's not going to be funny to anybody else. I'll just admit that right now. But one of the one of the funniest videos I've seen probably in the last year is <laughs> somebody overlaid. It's the Wire theme song. Mm-hmm. Is it? Oh no, it's so, probably Sopranos theme song. It is the Sopranos theme song. Okay, I'm, a, I'm an idiot. <laughs> <sighs> it is one of the funniest things. So. Okay. Well, so what? It, it's the Sopranos theme song, but. <laughs> It's just, they changed all the words to woke up this morning, got some gobble <laughs> and I woke up the next day and I got some gobble Oh, that's funny. <laughs> Dang it. I'm ashamed of myself. It's okay. all right. It's worth mentioning. Okay. So this, I mean, a huge, huge part of this show is its characters. I mean, like it's just massive. Part Normal, like, so this is the time when I'm, I get all hyperbolic and I'm like, oh, the best thing about it is the characters. But like everything works in perfect harmony in this show. Yep. I mean, yeah, oh, sure, the characters yeah. are huge. Yeah. But 
So's the story. So, oh yeah. So, like I mean, so's the right. Like everything works so well together. Nothing really outweighs. Nothing. I just. I don't know. It would be hard for me to say. Well, this is the main. You know, the main deal here. Anyway, I don't know. I think the characters are just so bit larger than life in this show. Yeah. Before I ask you our normal questions, there's two things I'd like to bring up and sort of to honor him, just kind of to bring it up this way. I thought it might be worth noting early on uh, that Michael Williams, the person who plays Omar passed away maybe within this last year, 21. Yeah. Uh, And he was just a massively respected actor. And unfortunately he dealt a lot with addiction. That Mm -hmm. was, that's what happened. Um, It was an overdose situation, which for me, I don't, I wouldn't, you know, I don't want to gossip about that or anything, but I find that I found that so like meaningful, sadly meaningful about like in the context of this show. Yes. I thought the same uh, thing. Like, and, and he was, I heard an interview, his interview, by the way, on uh, WTF, the podcast, Mark Maron's podcast, Mark Maron, actually, whenever someone passes away, he, he reposts an interview. And so he had an interview with Michael Williams and it's very moving because Mark Maron is a former addict as well. And this was also during a time where Michael Williams was sober at the time. And I don't think he like necessarily fell off the wagon for long. I think it just took the one time and that's Mm -hmm. how he passed away. But it's a very interesting interview, especially in the context of a show about heroin, you know, just, it's just very interesting. And so, uh, but Omar is certainly one of my favorite characters and he plays it incredibly, especially he's like a formally trained actor, incredible in a lot of things. And he does, such a good job that I feel like he he almost has a, like they found this guy on the street. Like yes. they pulled him off a street corner and said, Hey, do you want to act in our show? He's, he plays the role that well. Uh, I mean, he just, he feels like he is just a part of that world. Yeah, absolutely. There's two other things I want to say about characters before we get into something like favorite. Number mm-hmm. one, okay, just to throw out a couple names here. Idris Elba's in this, by the way, if you didn't know. Like, it's like, like know. one of the biggest actors right now. Yes. Yeah. It, it kind of came from the wire. You know who else is in this? Michael B. Jordan is in this. They're just probably his first thing. I mean, he's pretty young in this, but he's in it. Uh, and uh, I mean, maybe not quite as uh, culturally popular, but Wendell Pierce is in this, mm-hmm. like just so, so there's some heavy, heavy hitters in this show. And this is where a lot of them got their start. And then also the last thing I think is worth noting is, uh, because of, <laughs> I'm going to get it wrong. We own this city. Is that the show that I kept getting wrong? Yeah. Because you were saying we own the night. night yeah. And, yeah. We own this. We own the city. We own so the you, city. It, if you listen to like all the episodes of this podcast, you heard me complain about how some characters from the wire got shuffled around. And when we own this city, what's uh-huh. fascinating about it is a lot of them got moved into like different characters and they're terrible in their new characters. <laughs> and they like are Coot is a cop. Now. Yes. Yes. Yeah, you're exactly right. Which was, but, I need to go back and watch that actually. Now that yeah. I've seen the wire more recently. Well, uh, yeah, but there it's terrible. But then also what I think it shows is just, casting of this show was incredible they had him in the right spots and it was it was just unbelievable okay so now sorry that i've i've gone on about that what uh anybody who sticks out to you um i think my two favorites are omar and bunk for sure those guys every scene they're in they steal the show they're electric yeah omar even like people shudder on you like when you're watching like they they see omar and they shudder like he just has that kind of presence yes i mean it in the show everybody's terrified of him but that's just how we feel like when you feel you when it's like seeing a lion at the zoo or something it's it's crazy 
Uh, Wendell Pierce, his comedic <laughs> timing yep. is something I've just, you just don't see in nature ever. Like, uh, especially on the wire because he's been in other shows and he's great in other shows. He was, you know, his Jack Ryan suits. He's been in a bunch of other stuff. Yep. This is the best Wendell Pierce yep. though. This is the yep, best. For sure. Also like Dominic West. I, I really struggle with the McNulty character. He's how dare you? So frustrating. How dare you? I love him. I love he's him, but amazing. He, he's so frustrating. He is like, of course he's frustrating. That's it's what makes him so his, good. It's like, you know, uh, he's got potential. It's like that age old, you know, so potential, but he's like got all these vices, Demons, man. Yeah. Just yeah. all the stuff in the closet. I, I love his character. I, yeah. and his, I mean, Dominic West plays it to the max. He is fantastic. By the way, the new Prince Charles, Dominic West is oh, Prince Charles in the, in crown. the crown now. Okay. Awesome. In like the new new iteration or whatever, he's playing Prince Charles. Prince Charles, not Prince Philip. The okay, he no, no, no he's the good. he's the son. He's correct. He's, Prince Charles, yeah, you were you were right. Yeah, I was just yeah. My head went straight to Prince Philip. Anyway, Michael Jordan's not in a ton of the show, but I feel like he could have easily been one of my favorite characters. Um, gosh, the whole like cop team that they assemble is fantastic. I mean, sure, yeah. uh, Herc and Carver, just yep. like Abbott and Costello like comedy wise like sort of day player type thing where they uh they play their role really well but they're mm. not like heavy characters they're not yeah, they, no 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 not a ton yeah. of lines but man they make the most of um the ones they do have i think those are i think those are my main the guys i always look forward to seeing on camera yeah i'm gonna toss out so mcnulty is the show for me and that battle and he you know he just nails this tragic figure it's it's nearly shakespearean how the demons he wrestles with like i just he for me just for me that's what this show is and that's that's what the show's all about but i do want to shout out andre royo plays bubbles mm -hmm. i think it's particularly hard to play like a fiending addict I, i'm sorry that's a weird way to say it i know I, uh, I what i mean is i don't know if it's hard to play that but he does it very very well mm -hmm. he's so convincing and when i see an actor doing something that they like have not probably experienced at all it's just like even more compelling i think um so he's really good and then i i really like jd williams who plays bodie uh they're they really stick out mm -hmm. to me too but certainly i did, wouldn't disagree with anything you said and keep in mind like i jimmy mcnulty you're absolutely right he is the show i think one thing he really represents and it's kind of a running theme i gave it everything i had and did it then like they're always asking themselves did it even make a difference yep you know and that's that's like really the heartbreaking part of the show is and when he is able to throw himself into his work, he's yep. compelling, he's dynamic, yep. he's electric. And then it's brother, the, the, there's a quote near the end, brother, when you were good, you were good. And when oh, you gosh. were bad, you were. Yeah. The McNulty bunk scenes. I mean, oh, are, yeah. gotta be the best. Gotta be the best stuff. They're so good together. I was sending you screen. I was like laying on the floor. <laughs> Just like yeah. laughing my rear end off and I was yeah. like sending you screenshots. Yeah. Just so they are so, so good together. So, okay. It's not all about characters. Like you said, and I agree mm -hmm. with your comment. It's very balanced. What, um, how about, you know, writing slash story. The story is the star here because we were commenting before, uh, you know, off mic and this show shouldn't work mm. the, the way they 
are able to lace, continue to like lace these characters in each season, but like the story changes each time. And, you know, if you like know anything about a police department, you know, some people work with drugs, some people work homicides, some people work, et cetera, et cetera. So all these guys kind of have different roles, but somehow they find themselves in like similar situations and like common ground working a case, especially like season one, season two. Yeah. And then things kind of like continue to like break apart a little more as the seasons tick on. Right. Yep. I mean, am I remembering that correctly? Yeah. So like, I think especially like in the early seasons, the way you have this group of people working on the, these cases and giving everyone something to do. I think that's the big thing. Everyone has something to do and it feels, it feels just so thick. Like the story oh, yeah. is laced, layered, nuanced. I mean, all, like all my buzzwords that I, that I love saying, like this story has it all. It would be, yeah, it would be a shame if you, if you got all these guys in your cast and you didn't have anything for them to do, but. Oh yeah. And I mean, it's worth noting, like it's a huge cast. Massive. But everybody kind of has their piece and it all works so well together. Yeah. yeah. Not only that, I'm going to bring this back up later, but like most shows like this one is like the first season is sort of focused in on an area. And then in the second season, they kind of zoom out and move over to a different area of Baltimore. And then they, it's the same basic topic, but they are talking about a whole new new list of characters yeah and then after like season three four five all of them inter- are if, sort of interwoven a bit yeah and like it's just how the whole thing you just keep zooming out and getting a more full picture and still all of it really really works together interestingly yeah. so but you could say like you know the docs and you know what season yep. i'm talking about you could say yep. the kids like yep. and you know what season i'm talking about so yep. it like all the seasons have something significant that differentiates them from the other seasons. Yep. So somehow we have common threads running through the whole thing, but substantial parts of each season that are different story. So it's just really, really, really well thought out and written and shift gears to dialogue a little bit. I could yeah. talk, I could talk about that for hours. I mean, no doubt. My thing is always that, you know, with the dramedy, especially, especially something that kind of defaults to a, a drama and is able to work in moments of levity, moments of comedy, yep. and it feels appropriate. Yep. This show, I put it on, on the same level as the West Wing as far as that goes. Yeah. I mean, it's elite writing. The way they work in comedy or work in like, light moments is masterful one of my favorite scenes in the show is the i'll be careful about how i talk about this but the, the f word scene where it's it's bunk and mcnulty they're in a they're in an apartment and they're using just the only word they say for about five minutes straight is the f word but what i think that demonstrates like brilliantly they tell a story with one word over mm. and over they say it differently every time and they kind of like it's it's just brilliant you could almost see what they're like reading and looking through yes. and like, you, you know, like, you know exactly what's going on just by, just by the way they use that. Yeah. How can one word mean a thousand things over the course of five minutes? It's just, it's crazy. But then, but that just sort of is emblematic of how the whole show is written, especially the way for probably what was an unfamiliar audience with this culture, how to still translate these themes in a different language, almost close to a different language. I think what's also worth noting is the way you describe it right there. Some people will be turned off by that. And sure. sure, Somehow, somehow that scene is not gratuitous. The language does not feel gratuitous. And you were saying it breaks records. It does not feel like gratuitous language. 
You know, yeah. it's not it's not a rap song. Like it, it literally is. Somehow it works. Somehow sure, of course works. you're not pulling the kids into the room, but also you're not squirming in your seat. Really, I don't yeah. think. Also, I feel like the show has by that point you've grown to trust it, or it's it's built up a rapport with you almost. Yeah. It just doesn't feel sloppy in any way. Anything else you want to say in this sort of put together block? Yeah, I, we, I mean, yeah. character story writing. Like I, I feel like we were good there, and I don't know the, the, those. I, I, I'm glad that we spent time here because sometimes we breeze through this. Sure. Yeah. It's important. These, yeah. especially it, this show took time to make sure that they nailed all the pillars of like what makes a good show. And um, I think, I think it's important to talk about that. Which is funny because it's created by a couple rookies. Yeah. They didn't, they weren't like TV gods that they were one was a journalist and one was a cop and they created an incredible show side note look yeah. at this cast sometime listeners pull up the wire cast on google and just try to imagine what what it would cost nowadays to, to use all these people like on oh, a show yeah. today yeah. i mean this cast is insane it's insane it, it's insane but it but it wasn't necessarily insane no. at the time nope they all nope. kind of popped out of here and they got lucky. I think, uh, what's his Avon? Uh, I don't remember his Wood name, Harris. But, yeah. Wood Harris. I think he had already been in uh-huh. remember the Titans, right? Yeah. Yes. So like he was a bigger name at the time. Right. I Which don't think you ever feel like l- looking at, um, Stringer Bell and Avon, like shouldn't Stringer, doesn't he kind of feel like he should be the boss? Like, especially <laughs> well, when sure. you think, and that yeah. is, that is from my like hindsight's 2020. That's looking at it from where I am now. Idris has become a bigger actor than, than Wood Harris. It yes. feels like eh, the roles should, the role should be the other way. But I think at that time, maybe Wood was a little bit, you know, rolling off. Remember the Titans was a little bit bigger name. First question in this section, sort of a combination of does this show hold up watching it? It's been 20 years since it started 20 years later slash like sort of why are we bringing this up now? Why is it worth revisiting if you can answer all that at the same time? So the short answer is yes, I think it holds up. And and I want to point out that there are going to be some things you hear tossed around that are jarring. They're hard to hear. Of course, it's language yeah. we don't use anymore. We didn't really use it back then. Sure. But we definitely don't use it now. And I think in the context, the, sh- the show takes itself. They handle this topic, this subject matter so seriously. And so like it's sacred, you know, that they're, yeah. they're so precious with it that I feel like it does give it the leeway it needs to to kind of stand the test of time. I think this this show you would still see on, you know, any of the any, any of the big lists like best shows of all time where, yep. you know, some shows that maybe were a little more frivolous, maybe, uh, I don't, I don't have an example off the top of my head, but some shows that maybe, you know, were a little loosey goosey with certain slurs or anything like that. Yeah. I, I think you would see those shows kind of fall off. You uh-huh. know, they're not talked about anymore because they're cringy. You, you can't really watch stuff like that and just be okay with it. But somehow this, I don't want to say it's okay, but it still really works. It still really does. Yeah. Totally. I think also one thing I think that's so I maybe reading a little bit into the situation, but what I think clearly translates, the creators have this love for Balt and a history with Baltimore. The way you've described how they treat this preciously and they're yeah. they're really trying to describe something. Like you feel that mm-hmm. and it feels very 
like I said, true, even though it's not a true story, it sort of is a true story Mm -hmm. and it's not, it's never making a hero out of anything negative. Right. I don't think Yep. sort of maybe Omar, but there are heroic elements of Omar. One of my favorite things that this show does is it blurs all the lines. I think this was one of the first show to shows to blur every single line and basically say that each character has, has their demons and they have their angels. Mm Mm-hmm. Every single character has something redemptive about them. And every single character has something uh, sort of like a demon that they they cannot escape. Mm -hmm. So for certain populations, you have like, okay, well, uh, the police are cutting corners in certain areas, which is a huge story from that time in Baltimore that like the police department was quite corrupt and super brutal and that's part of where this story came from, but also like, uh, McNulty's a police officer bunk, they, but, and, and they all sort of like, they're, they're good police. They're natural police, but they, <laughs> which is a quote from the show, by the way, if you don't, but, um, <laughs> but also each one of them has this way. They're a bit shady. Like nobody's a perfect cop. And then also right. you obviously have these drug dealers doing horrible things. And yet there's some sort of family element or they live by some sort of code. It's just like every single line is blur. Even like the mayor who comes in later, the mayoral candidate who comes in later, he's very sketchy. And at the same time, like he has a good motivation for a lot of it. And it's just all the lines are blurred. And I think it does that fantastically. So that was one of my favorite things about it. But that message, I think, translates to now in the sense that maybe it's not looking at Baltimore or a certain culture that you're not aware of, but just being aware that whoever around you seems evil, like they probably have a redemptive quality and whoever around you seems like perfect, perfect angel, there might be some demons in that closet or whatever. So, um, that certainly I think translates. And I don't know a lot of shows that still do that really, really well. So that's something that holds up. Um, let me go to a lighter question for you. Sure. Yeah. Do you have a favorite season? I'm sorry that all my questions are like two parters, but do you have a favorite season slash what we talked about is a couple of these seasons go like they totally shift their focus to a different area of the city or whatever. For example, a Uh lot of season one is inner city. And then we move out to what you mentioned as the docks, the docks are season two. It's almost solely season uh, the, the docks. Yeah. So do they all work for you slash do you have a favorite out of the five? This is definitely a hard question, but I'm going to try my best because I only watched, you know, most recently I made it through season two. Yeah. Um, So I have a vague recollection of the rest of the show after this, but I think easily like my favorite season is either one or two. If I had to narrow it down, I would say my favorite probably season two only because I feel like it takes season one and then kind of pumps it up a little bit. Like, I feel like you get, a lot of the good things about one and, but it also graduates a little bit and mm-hmm. it, it adds new elements. My, my favorite stuff is that original team working together on the wire. And I feel like you yeah. still get some of that in, yeah. in season two without spoiling too much. Anyway, I think, I think one of those seasons, and if I had to pick probably two, 
I actually, I'm in the same sort of boat, except I, I would add that I think three even advances that even more. I like, I th- I'm pretty sure I'm about 90% sure three is Hamsterdam, which just the, the, the elements of Hamsterdam where basically, I don't think it's a spoiler at all, honestly, to tell you that basically a cop decides that his solution to this massive heroin problem they have in the city is to create a segment of the city that's kind of walled off and your heroin is legal there basically oh, in, in that, all practicality. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's like, that's like Arkham city. Oh, sorry. That's a, yes. That's a video. So then all of a sudden now we have these several no things like it really does. It really does just kind of add upon itself. And every single time uh, that core group sort of stays together. I also don't think it's much of a spoiler to say what you were basically talking about is the wire, the people working on the wire task force or whatever, the wire is phenomenally successful, except sort of nobody as you might expect, nobody wants it to sort of stay together. Nobody wants to put the resources toward it. Like it's just Mm -hmm. a very dysfunctional department. So this continuous battle is that they keep trying to break up the wire team, which is all your favorite people. And then, but it also has to come back together because it's so successful at the same time. So it's Mm -hmm. like a back and forth and that's the battle you kind of go through. But yeah, I pretty much agree with you. Yeah. Okay. This is a hard, this is a, I think a harder question, but, um, and it's uh, sort of more philosophical, but basically, especially at the time, I imagine like suburban white kids had the best access to HBO, not to over generalize, but at the, at the time, I think that was probably the case and, and let's let's at least say suburban kids had the best access so what was this fascination with even extending it beyond the wire but this fascination with like prison slash drugs because like we said at the time we're talking sopranos the wire oz on hbo so then a bunch of people who for whatever thing can afford hbo and at the time that was a huge deal they can afford hbo are they gawking or did they learn something and when I say they, I also mean you and me, basically. What do you mean by gawking? Um, looking down on. Okay, so looking down specifically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think probably that's what I meant by that. But basically, like, oh, look at these trashy Baltimore city okay. people. There could be maybe like a third category where you are, you know, you're not necessarily learning something. You're not looking down, but you are fascinated. Uh huh with this and maybe there's like some shock in there and maybe you're you know i had no idea that it was you know i think there is maybe like a more innocent um middle ground in there okay i think i could easily put myself in in this and and this is easily this is definitely something where i could put my foot in my mouth and i so i want to be careful here but um i think if i were just to use myself as an example i was still relatively young still relatively unfamiliar with some very serious topics like, you know, like drugs and um, police brutality and, you know, um, race and the kind of the role it plays in all of this. And um, I think I would put myself in like a middle ground. I don't know. Had I, uh, had I waited longer, maybe have, had I watched it a little later, uh, maybe I would be, would have been able to spend more time learning and educating myself and, um, I think now like this is the watch through. I wish I would have had, you know, 14, 15 years ago. Yeah. But um, I, I would have put, you know, if I go back in time to what are 2008, 2007, I think it would, it would think it was like that middle, like a middle ground, just like a, a fascination, almost like a shock though. Also. Um, yeah, sure. Something in there. I don't know. Could, could you put your finger on anything that this show kind of taught you in that regard? I'll go first. 
So for example, this show, I specifically remember sort of learning that basically like a perfectly viable economic option for people in the inner city is this ecosystem of drug dealing. Like it's, uh, and so you all of a sudden understand if you're brought up in that culture, you understand this is your best way to sort of make money. I'm not saying they're correct coming up with that idea, but like if you're told that's what the case is, like they have all these jobs for everybody. Mm -hmm. And like once it's even more prominent in later seasons, but like, oh, you're going to learn to be a corner boy because that's where you start. And like, that's like, it's, it's, it's an entire educational system, an entire ecosystem being taught to families. And so like, it's a much bigger problem than I think probably at the time when I first watched it, it was like, well, bad people deal drugs. Right. Okay. Well, what if that's the only thing you've ever been brought up in? Like, it's not, you're not making a conscious decision to be bad. So like things like that, I think this show teaches really, really well. I I mean, I wish I was asking myself those kind of questions 15 years ago, but I think the one thing that I'm sure I definitely noticed was the devastation. Uh-huh. just how this wreaks havoc on families and fathers and et cetera, et cetera. I think one of the things that, oh my gosh, it got me, it hit me like just a gut punch this time was Michael B. Jordan's character Wallace yeah. is walking around and he lives in this condemned mm-hmm. building with, I don't know, five or six other kids younger than him. He's a kid. Yeah, maybe 13. 13. So, but yeah. he's got like six-year-olds, seven-year-olds living with him. Mm-hmm. And he's the responsible, he's the the yep. responsible party in all of this. And they're having to like steal electricity, but mostly they're like, basically it's enough to like run a fridge or something. Yep. Yep. And he's got these kids and he's sending them off to school. He, you know, he hands them their bag of chips and their, yep. um, their juice box. And I... It broke my heart. I mean, because yeah. I'm yeah. sure there are some people who that's the best they can do. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't want to blame it on one thing, but those areas are just destroyed and I don't know how they survive. It hit me hard though this time for sure. Just for, for fun, let's to lighten it up a little bit and I can go first cause I didn't even write this question down, but geek out moment of what are your favorite moments in the show? And what I mean sort of by that is I haven't had a chance to bring up the detective's wake, which is my favorite part of the show, which is where if a detective dies, you get a detective's wake, which is where everybody on the force goes to the bar. They play a Pogues song and um, it's just a fantastic moment every time. I think there's three or four of them in the show where they, they lay the body out on a pool table table, and and they all get drunk and they just kind of like, it, it's a collective mourning together, but also sort of a celebration at the same time. And so like that, that it's just worth bringing up. Those are some of my favorite moments. And obviously anytime Omar does anything, I love that too. Mm. I think there are, I think I've noticed maybe two so far, but normally the show seamlessly laces in moments of levity and it kind of just a quick joke bounced to something, yeah. but there are some scenes where they put their shoulder into it. And they are hysterical. Thinking of two right now, they both involve Bunk. I mean, he carries the show comedically. I, I'll I back that up. Absolutely. Those are when I'm like, this show is amazing. When they're like, hold on, we're just going to hit, hit the pause on the story and spend five minutes just letting you die laughing at yeah. Wendell Pierce. I don't know. Those are probably my biggest geek out moments. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's a couple characters that do that too with the, I mean, yeah, it's just like we go on forever, but <laughs> yes. Okay. 
it's time to open up the big question, I think. And like we've mentioned several times, there are several lists that put this in the one of the best shows of all time. Top five for sure. I think most, li- I always get mad because I think most lists put this above West Wing. For me, it's number two, I think. Uh, it's my second favorite show. Uh, how about let's be you? clear that's what yeah. we're talking about we're talking about our favorite shows yeah, maybe favorite, not yeah. what we consider the top five shows of all time well except i'm right about everything okay well and arrogant well <laughs> <laughs> i think it's worth noting the reason this is coming up now is because this is like whenever i talk about the west wing and it being one of the best shows of all time i never know if i'm like I'm the only person that think this, or we're the only people that think this, you know, even though I have, I have seen it on quite a few lists, Yeah, you know, I know that I talk about it a tons and, you know, I talk about it way more than anyone else. And I don't know. I, I don't want to just assume everyone else thinks that, but the wire, I think we can all get behind the wire. That is objectively a great show. Objectively, mm-hmm. it should be on everyone's top 10 list. It's in my top five list. And I think that's why that that's something I've been thinking about all week. And it's, and it's because this is, this is a show that like everyone, everyone likes and, and um, everyone considers great. Um, I put obviously the West wing first, but I put Sopranos before the wire. Other than oh, that. Interesting. I do not. But the wire's yeah. number three for me. So it's, it's definitely way, way, way up there. I don't, I don't know why it might come down to the type of story. I think I'm, I've always been fascinated with La Cosa Nostra and um kind mm. of the the mob story i mean tony soprano is one of the best television characters of all time but mm. i think the wire has maybe one or two people you could also say that about so it's yeah, not I mean, necessarily i think that the, the wire doesn't have as much of a leading man yeah. quite and that's probably the knock maybe. against it in that conversation but maybe yeah honestly also it could be a day of the week thing i there might be days when i like the wire more i also throw just for um because i'm a bit of a complete completionist i also throw uh mad men and and dexter up there in my top five okay just for reference sake so i barely care what the internet has to say but i didn't uh, find a single good list on the internet rolling stones is garbage yeah um, well uh, rolling stone has them at four one i've seen like five in a quick glance i've seen five lists and oh rolling stone has fleabag at five right behind the wire how about that uh <laughs> But where do they have the West Wing? Even in the, it's not in the top no. twenty. No, well, I don't know. Yeah, not in the top ten. If I don't me. at least see the West Wing in the top ten, I'd move on. Succession. Garbage. I don't. I not would never show, put a show garbage on this list. I would never put a show in my top five that's still running. I need no, to see. I know. They have I, like I see they the, have like six. I need to in, see the whole picture. I need the whole thing. So every single one of these five that I looked up really quick from pretty reputable sources has the wire in the top. 10 and most of them in the top five most of them have breaking bad ahead of it which Mm -hmm. i don't agree with but no but a lot of people do i mean a lot of people that is the best show of all time i at least when i see breaking bad i'm like okay we're in uh, familiar ground here we're i don't know i saw 30 rock way up there on one of the lists 30 rocks pretty awesome what it's awesome sitcoms just aren't my bag it's not in my top five but it's 30 rocks awesome do you know what your top five is i just named my top five what i said the west wing sopranos the wire and then i said and i also add mad men and dexter up there okay and i have a couple honorable mentions but i was just i was just typing i was like i'm gonna miss something here but stranger things has gotten up there pretty high for okay. me well i think mine is i don't know about order west wing's number one 
Yeah. I think wires too. Pretty okay. sure about wire. Then We're I've got so I've got some stuff. Mm-hmm. I think Seinfeld is in the five. Yeah, that's appropriate. And and I think newsrooms in the five. Oh. Um, might, be, might be in my 10. If I were going to add a comedy Fleabag, up there, I Fleabag would do the is office. high for me. Fleabag? No, the office is garbage. I would add the office up there if it was going to be, if I was going to add a comedy, that would be my number one. I feel silly saying Ted Lasso, even though that's. Oh, it'll be in there for sure. Once, my, yeah. One of my favorites. I mean, I yeah. li- I probably like it more in the office now, but I, I, for some reason I feel silly saying it. I don't know why. Well, it's like you said, it's still running. Like we got to see new, what happens, I still guess. New, but, yeah. Brands making It's new, very new. Yeah. Comparatively. So that's fun though. That's something we've never done. Buzzfeed has a uh, two at fleet Fleabag at two. Wow. I mean, no, no Fleabag's great, but people freaking loved that. See, I, the way you were pitching it, it always seemed like much more of a dark horse, but no, 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 no. Lots of people like Fleabag. Oh yeah. Wire wires five on Buzzfeed. Oh, I didn't, Parks see, and Rec I didn't see anything. I did not see anything I liked. Well, I mean, Maybe what's, that's the point, telling. what's the point Maybe of cramming that's telling. Them in the top five? Like the, it's, it's a ridiculous exercise anyway but also i feel like there's something very similar about my top five it's just like sure there's also a difference between i'm not gonna argue that my top five is the best five shows of all time no it's just my five favorite shows did you finish oh yeah you said the newsroom was five Okay, Brandon, pitch me something I haven't seen. Pitch some stuff. Yep. So I stumbled across, I don't know how, because I was watching so much of The the Wire this week, but stumbled across something that I think is new, but it is a documentary on Netflix called The Redeem Team. Is that the Lakers thing? No, it's about the uh, Olympic um, men's basketball team Mm. that went to Beijing after the Uh catastrophic showing in 2004 in Athens. And this this is when they went and just destroyed everyone Mm -hmm. (laughs) really good really great interviews was a little bit jarring seeing kobe i I will oh yeah i'll admit and um because they had so much footage from back then young lebron and um yeah it was it was very good and uh, quite an interesting story in there and i think it's worth worth checking out netflix sweet yeah, that sounds very compelling. I'm going to recommend, because we're on the HBO train, I'm going to recommend a show called Rome, which was around, I think it was about five years after The Wire. Mm-hmm. Very similar. What I like about it's listen, it's graphic, just like every HBO show of the time. But what I like about it is you sort of like learn history as you go. I love there's that. A lot, there's a lot of Brutus, there, you know, Marcus Aurelius, and, you know, there's a lot of, it, that's the time period. Basically, it ends right at Herod coming onto the scene but it's mark antony and mark um, antony yeah uh the the cleopatra's how it kind of ends with season two there's only two seasons but you you learn a lot of roman history through this show mm-hmm. um what i think's interesting about it if you put it in like the context of like leading into something like the bible um you kind of like get an interesting take on it's funny so basically to watch a show that's so graphic and so hbo but it's like a different telling of the culture of the time mm-hmm. where you can kind of add that to your idea of what that time period was like. And it's just like a different perspective. So that's what I always kind of liked about it. There's some really cool stuff about it. It's not as good as anything, any like, 
the wire or anything. I'm not trying to say that or anything, but it's an interesting show. It's a quick watch because it's only the two seasons that were out. So, um, and it's, it's just a really good, I think, I don't know for sure, but it feels like sort of a forgotten show from HBO. So it's definitely worth checking out, especially if you need a quick ish watch. So for the record, I've started it and I've never finished it. I've always intended to circle back. Is that an accident or do you kind of like, Mm. do you, do you lose interest? I can't remember. (laughs) Okay. Um, I'll, I will say I probably just watched other things and kind of forgot about it. It's something I, I, I've always intended to circle back on though. Uh, like to, sort of to your point, I think I've only watched it twice mm-hmm. ever. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, it's not something that I even keep coming back to. Like that's that good. There's some really cool stuff about it, but at the same time it's like, yeah, but it's, it's an interesting watch through for sure. It's not, mm-hmm. I'm not going to recommend it as highly as uh, some of the other stuff I re- recommended though. Okay. What do you, what have you been, what, what are your quick hits? What have you been watching? Playoff baseball mm-hmm. and the wire. That is it. A lot of, I'm just going to turn it over to you because I don't, well, I honestly, like I've been watching a lot of playoff. I've been watching a ton of sports. It's sports yeah. time. Like I said, there's one thing I do want to bring up about sports. Here's what I don't. <laughs> a soapbox moment. Yes. Let me, here's my soapbox moment for this week about sports. It really, really rubbed me the wrong way this week when I was fortunate enough to go to the Guardians baseball game on Saturday, the the playoff baseball game Ooh, that we won. Yeah. What drove me nuts was, okay, number one, here's my, this is going to be a huge soapbox, but number one, a lot of people were complaining that they didn't say, I know. <laughs> You're going to edit this one though. Just, <laughs> it's fine. A lot of people were complaining that they didn't, they weren't selling tickets because number one, one the owner's son ran for office, right? So okay. he's a, he's a conservative and lots of people didn't like him. Fine. Whatever. So people not, are boycotting the game because of that. No, hold on. Let me finish this point. All Cause right. I'm not heading toward a political point, by the way, if anybody, well, why nervous. not? Because I don't have one. Okay. The other side of that coin was some people made the claim that people weren't buying tickets because of the political affiliation of the owner. Some people made the claim that people weren't buying tickets because they changed their name from the Indians to the Guardians. Ooh. I massively, massively think people weren't buying tickets because they were selling tickets for about the cheapest you could get was $80 in the stadium, $80. Like we're talking no standing room seats. only. Okay. Well, no, no I, they eventually released standing room only for a little bit less than that. But a seat, the cheapest seat in the house was, I think, $80. Well, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a postseason game. Nope. That's fine. That's fine. Here's the problem. We are from Cleveland. We know they will always screw us over. So what? so they didn't announce the time until 24 hours before the game, right? They didn't announce so, the time of the game? No. Oh, no. my word. So on Thursday, <laughs> on crazy. Thursday, we all find out, oh, tomorrow's game is at noon. On a Friday. And you already had tickets. I, I had tickets for Saturday. That's why I got oh, tickets oh, for oh, Saturday oh. because they wow. hadn't announced the times yet. Noon so they're compl- so Saturday sold out. Friday did not sell out yet. It eventually sold out once they announced the time. But then they're complaining like, oh, Cleveland won't support their team. No, people in Cleveland work jobs. Yeah. So you can't just take off right the rest of the day stop talking about how people are making statements it's nonsense announce the game times for goodness sakes you get, so you you're telling me you want people to buy like $400 worth of baseball tickets and not know whether they can attend the game yet or not <laughs> say the game time that's ridiculous it is now is that uh, mlb's fault or i mean it can't oh, be yes okay now it can't ready? be cleveland's fault let me bring this back to t- it's not cleveland's fault let me bring this back to tv now well something's cleveland's fault do you fault. know whose fault it is 
ESPN because ESPN wanted all the money from this series. They wanted every all the single games. game yeah. was on ESPN. ABC. So on, well, that's ESPN also. On that's, yeah, ABC. Yeah, it's owned by so yeah. So on Friday they had a, a noon, a two, a yes. four, and a, something like that. Yeah. Um. So it was obviously eight o'clock. But yeah. So like I I literally when I bought the tickets I was like it's going to be the early game because we are East Coast that's fine and there were West Coast teams that's fine but I just liked it better when it was like okay you know this channel carries this and it's like it's just not the it's not ideal it's like two noon games and so our games were noon and noon Friday and Saturday at noon but that so yeah and that's not I think they are times. so ESPN only locked down the wild card games right yeah. like yeah. they couldn't obviously do that with everything uh, the division series is being broken up into its normal. I saw some TBS and some some other stuff, yes. right? Okay, and so for- we're, well, we're back sort to of fortunate, sort of fortunately for us, they we're playing the Yankees, and the Yankees will always get a prime time slot yeah. because you know they just have a bigger. Market. I meant to ask how how'd you guys do against the Yankees this year? Oh, I don't even actually remember, but we got in a big fight in their stadium. So. <laughs> Oh, uh, we, uh, one of our players, Miles straw got in a fight with fans. Oh, that's what I, I've been seeing a lot of straw stuff. Yes, okay. Yes. That's he, what like it was. He literally got in a fight with some fans who okay. were out of line. Um, but I think we, he's the played, one that jumped up on the fence, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And I think we played them almost even this year and okay. we kind of, I think match up against them pretty well. Another TV thing about sports is we're uh, now we're really get another TV thing about sports though. I remember people were furious. Did you see college football? So I, people, People kept busting into college football every time Aaron Judge had an at bat at the end of the season, <laughs> and, and football fans were furious. Oh, I love making football fans mad because on Twitter they kept being like, "I I tuned in to watch football, not to watch Aaron Judge strike out." Because uh, that's, that's pretty funny. much what he did. Anyway, okay, so that's that was funny. funny. But I do think the reason I brought all this up is I missed the time where TV sort of reported on sports and didn't have so much control over sports. Yeah. Because it used to just be like, hey, here's the game time. If you'd like to show this on TV, please feel free. And now it's just like we have to rearrange everything to make as much money as possible off this and don't you know the blackout don't get me started with that nonsense but <laughs> by don't get me started i mean i've talked about it exhaustively yes. uh, but um anyway it's that that bothers me okay my only other quick hit which we're going to do it i think we're going to do an episode on it so i would like to admit that i had a couple friends text me about a show called the rehearsal it's nathan fielder i had a couple friends text me about it saying, have you seen the rehearsal? It's amazing. Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yes, because I don't know. I guess I blew past what they were saying and knew it was Nathan Fielder. And I thought Nathan Fielder's first show, which is Nathan at home was called. I just thought that's the show they were talking about. So I, when they were like, have you seen the rehearsal? Like I thought Nathan at home was pretty funny. So when they were like, it's amazing. I'm like, yeah, it's pretty good. You know, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, kind of moved on. And then all of a sudden today I said, oh, these are different shows. So I watched the rehearsal and we're going to do an episode on it. it, it but I want to say this now in case you want to like watch it before we get to the episode, Mr. Hyperbole coming out right now, but it's one of the most creative things I've ever seen in my life. No, oh, that's fair. on t- on TV. I thought it's, you were. Gonna, I thought it was going to be way worse. Your hyperbole, not best, not best. I'm not going to go with best. But should I read some of your texts from earlier? <laughs> I feel like that would be appropriate. <laughs> well, sure, but well, I don't. It's I don't think I went that overboard. To carry, to, but uh, now bear in mind, I, this wasn't for public consumption, so I don't. I may have, dude. Been this be- rehearsal show is hilarious and maybe the most brilliant thing I've ever seen. Oh. That's pretty inflammatory. 
I don't know, it, man. I do think it's I'm brilliant. only one episode in so far, but this is maybe the most original thing I've ever seen. That's not. I, I stand terrible. by that. Okay, yeah. I stand by that. I was cracking up in shock, and now I'm crying. Yes, total. I stand by that. In the first episode, this of the- feels like the most interesting TV <laughs> ever made. <laughs> That's a little, that's bold at the very least. Yeah. I'm not going to back off either. I, All right. It's, it's just like nothing you've ever seen. I've only watched one episode. I think there's definitely something there. Definitely an episode yeah. to talk about, but you've watched the whole thing now. So I watched I'm the whole thing. Yeah. Definitely interested in, in getting the whole picture. It's uh, certainly interesting. It's quite original. Well, yeah. Side note, best. I'm keeping up with, uh, Sorry, I cut you off hard. Real no, hard. No, I was no I trailing was, off. Yeah. That does it for this episode of Good Show. Good Show is created, recorded, edited, and produced by Anthony Mako and Brandon Sharp. Our theme music was written and recorded by me, Anthony, and all our graphics and socials are developed by Brandon. If you've enjoyed your time with us, please make sure to like or follow us on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. And if you appreciate our show, please throw us a rating and a review there too. If you'd like to discuss any of our content, you can search The Good Show Facebook group or follow us on Instagram at The Good Show Podcast. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time.